morning liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. My name is Nate, and with me today, as always, is Charles Chuck Thompson. And with us, but not as always, very special guest, Mr. Mikhail Thrupp from EscapeArtist.com. Amazing, amazing website name, by the way. I'm so impressed for you grabbing (laughs) that name because it's brilliant. How's it going today, man? Very good. And I'm really excited for today. I, uh, I've been listening to you guys show you guys do some amazing things. So I'm happy to be here. Awesome, man. Well, uh, Charlie, are you are you good over there? Are you good to go? Yeah, I'm doing great. Good. Everything's sounding good. We're excited to talk to you. Yeah, the escapeartist.com. I mean, that's pretty, pretty genius. I'm saying the URL is just... Well, we started in 1997, so I would like to take credit that I actually started the company, but I actually took it over about a year and a half ago. It's a pretty legacy brand in the offshore space. So I think it started as a company about 30 years ago and registered as a domain and started going online as a publication in 1997, putting out content about going offshore. So we've got the, the credibility, the longevity in the space. Well, you know, this is a subject that we have not covered with our listeners, with our audience whatsoever. So I'm going to have you explain what it means to be an expat. What What is that? Let us know what that is. Yeah. So there's a couple of different ways that you can look at expat. But the way that I like to think about it is people who are moving overseas and they may return home to their country of birth at some point, or they may go on and live in another country afterwards. So this would kind of be the differentiator between, say, an immigrant who's gone to a country, they're going to spend the rest of their life there, they're going to get nationality, they, they've kind of forgot all about everything else. An expat often goes in for work, um, digital nomads are often expats paths, people who travel to different countries. So take me for an example. I'm 37. I've been living overseas for more than 20 years. I've lived in eight different countries um, on what, five continents or something like that, five, six continents. Um, I'm currently based out of Panama, but will I spend the rest of my life in Panama? Probably not. You know, we'll probably live somewhere else. We'll be here for a couple of years, then we'll go somewhere else. You know, I enjoy moving overseas. I like the experience of being in a new country and all of that that it uh, entails. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And now you are are in Panama. (laughs) We were just talking beforehand. You, uh, previous to this, you were in Abu Dhabi. And, uh, you know, what is it that makes you decide to go to a different place? Well, I think every country that I've lived in, I've had a different driver for that, Um, you know, different things that are going on in my life. Yes, I was in Abu Dhabi for eight years. Uh, I loved the experience. I thought it was amazing being in a Muslim country, hearing the call to prayer every day. It did get a little bit tiring, but at some point it just kind of fades into the background. Um, We kind of joke with my family now because we live in Panama and it was like, oh, we left the Middle East. Okay, no more call to prayer, no more being woken up in the morning. But then we get the guy who drives down the street with his truck with all the vegetables in the back. (laughs) Lachuga, mango, saboya, you know, so we get that like five times a day. It's like a, a whole new call to prayer. So. Well, I mean, that that sounds like a pretty good deal, honestly. I mean, that's a pretty nice trade-off, really, if you if you need some fruit or some vegetables or yeah, something man. like that to have someone going by with a cart. <laughs> right. no, I was just, uh, what I was curious about is you said you lived in several places and, um, you know, what, what kind of is the ideology 
what's the ideology behind deciding to do this? You know, why not just say, I believe you're from Canada originally. Um, why, uh, why not just stay in Canada? What's the reasoning for wanting to move around? Well, okay. So the reasons that I moved to Canada or moved out of Canada were originally because I didn't enjoy the weather. I didn't want to be in a socialist country. I'm very much against taxation and I'm not someone who just talks about taxes, theft and things like this. No, I actually actively go out there and legally not pay taxes. So for example, living in the Middle East, it's a tax-free country. I mean, there's there's no taxes there whatsoever. There's no income tax. They did implement a 5% VAT about two years ago. And that's when I started going, okay, writing's on the wall. Things are going to start to go downhill from there. And, you know, started planning my escape from, from the Middle East. There's a couple other reasons that we wanted to leave. But yeah, the entire eight years there, I didn't pay one penny in taxes. And like I said, legally. That's amazing. Yeah. So, so to, like dream. to be able to... Yeah, that's that is literally the the libertarian wet dream. <laughs> so, <laughs> so good. <laughs> so, um, so to be able to do all of this, um, and you know, we talk about we just interviewed Jason Stapleton. He got has a book coming out called Nomadic Wealth, mm-hmm. kind of along the similar similar lines. And and so um, to be able to do this, do, do you have to be extremely wealthy? That you know, uh, do you do you own ten companies? Are you bringing in a hundred million a year? Like how how are you able to travel <laughs> like this and and uh, live out the principles that you believe in. Okay, I am. I do okay for myself right now, but I mean, I'm certainly not pulling in $100 million, and I don't think that anybody out there who wants to actually follow these types of values and wants to legally eliminate their tax bill thinks that they need to be rich and famous or anything like that. When I first started traveling back in early 2000s, I mean, I had a big backpack, a tent, Um, a jar of peanut butter, and I hitchhiked. I hitchhiked for 18 months through Central and South America, um, just going from town to town. I hitchhiked through like El Salvador and Honduras and stuff when I was like 20 years old. Wow. And I mean, there's many different ways that you can legally reduce your taxes, but you need to educate yourself. It's not often about, you know, can you afford the biggest, best, baddest lawyer in the world? I mean, it's how you structure your business. All the information is out there. Like even take what I do at, for example, at Escape Artist. I mean, we publish 95% of what we do for free. Like, I mean, uh, that is our business. We, ch- we charge for legal work. Okay, you need to open up a bank account or you need to um, you know, buy real estate or get legal work done. I mean, we charge for that. But all the information is there. It's all freely available. All right, guys, we got to break in here real quick to tell you about our sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp.com slash GML. I'm telling you, there is no better time to take care of your mental health in this year, 2020, the pandemic. There have been many, many reasons that you need to speak with a counselor, and there's there's no shame in it. I'm, I'm telling you right now that I use BetterHelp, and it's absolutely amazing. I can schedule a video call. I can schedule an audio call, or I can even just text and chat with my counselor if anything pops up where I am feeling down and out. And and talking about your feelings, it's scientifically proven. I'm telling y'all, talking about these types of things, you can't or you shouldn't handle it on your own. I'm somebody who tried to do that, and it makes things worse. So in my own personal experience, I'm telling you, there's no shame in talking to someone, and now there's never been a better time to do it. Yeah, BetterHelp's really cool. If you just go to betterhelp.com slash GML, they'll actually match you with a therapist that meets 
your needs. They're licensed. They're professional. They'll go through a questionnaire on there, and they've got a lot of different therapists on the app, on the website. There is an app also and on the website where they'll match you with the person that suits your needs. And you can even you can choose between people that are available. Uh, and it, it's just a really cool thing. So you can start talking to someone and in less than a day, you know, this is professional counseling. Like Charlie said, you can text, you can call, you can do all this stuff. It's so much cheaper than actually going in to an office somewhere. Trust me, I, I've done it before. And BetterHelp is a much better deal for talking to a counselor. So if you're dealing with uh, depression or stress or anxiety, I'm dealing with anxiety all the time, just sitting around worrying about stuff all the time. If you're in a relationship that needs some work, if you can't sleep, I check off a lot of these actually. The now that I now that I read through the list, um, hold on, I'm just gonna make my account on BetterHelp here real quick. <laughs> good thing so, you signed up. Yeah, that's a good good thing that that we actually get to read for them. Now, when I saw that we were gonna read for them, I was really pumped about it because I'd heard about them before. It's uh, something that I've used before, and it's something that I have no problem recommending to people whatsoever. So guys, BetterHelp is, they're growing so fast that they're hiring new counselors in all 50 states. We want you guys to start living a happier and more meaningful life today. As a listener of this show, you guys get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash GML. Join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash GML. That's definitely one of the things I was wondering too. Like if I'm someone who just say I'm, if I'm someone who's living paycheck to paycheck and the idea I hear someone talking on a podcast about being an expat and moving, I mean, I, I can't even, I'm not saying me, but if I'm someone who's listening and I can't even imagine going out to eat tonight or going to, uh, to up to Illinois to see my family or Mm -hmm, something mm -hmm. like that. Um, the idea of, oh, I'll just move to the other side of the world. It sounds like I would need to be a very wealthy person or already be bringing in a ton of money to be able to do that. Um, do you, do you think it's something where someone needs to have a really steady high level of income or is it something where you go and you, you find a job when you get there or with your jar of peanut butter or like, (laughs) so I think actually the biggest difference you will see are for people who don't have a lot of money because there's always this arbitrage between earning money in Canada, the United States, New Zealand, Australia, Germany, France, yada, 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 Great Britain, earning a Western style of wage, but then living in a developing country. I mean, I have a 4,700 square foot penthouse apartment. It's two stories. It's overlooking the park and the ocean in downtown Panama. I, I, I am very sure I am paying less than probably anybody who is listening to the show today. I mean, it's, this is Panama is quote unquote, a developing country. I mean, they're very happy for me to come here. I legally pay no taxes. It's a territorial tax system. I have an online business. I mean, I'm driving the economy here. I buy the fruits and vegetables. I have an assistant. I hire people, yada, yada, yada. I mean, you can actually get more out of life by living overseas, not less. So you can actually be, uh, you said having an online business. I guess the good thing is if you have an online business, you're still charging the same rates or you're still making the same income that, say, I would having the exact same online business and living in Nashville, Tennessee. 
and mm-hmm. having the, the steadily increasing prices here where you could be uh, living with working on an online business, be making the same income, driving the same business, but have a much lower, uh, a, a much lower monthly payments for everything that you have to do. That's a, that is really interesting. I think that's something people don't really think about. Well, and add to that, I mean, you're going to be eating healthier. I mean, we get a giant sack of organic fruits and vegetables delivered to our house one every, once every week, two weeks. And I mean, it's like 60 bucks. And like, I mean, fresh, 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 nice stuff. We're not eating junk, um, organic meats, organic chicken, everything like that. Rent is cheaper. Taxes, like I said, it's possible to have zero taxes. And you don't even have to actually have an online business. I think that there's so many businesses today that are going remote that what's the difference between you going from, I don't know, New York to out of state to a cheaper state? Why don't you take one step further and go overseas? I mean, if you've ever had a dream about exploring the world and and living abroad, I mean, this is the time to do it. Like, start getting prepared right now. Speaking of the time to do it, how has what's going on with COVID around the world changed this whole? Because you've you've been doing this your whole life, and we weren't dealing with the kinds of I assume travel restrictions or lockdowns or mm-hmm. anything like that. Have you have you encountered uh, what's it like down there in Panama right now? So we had a pretty severe lockdown here, which obviously I was not a fan of whatsoever. Now it's opened up and things just seem to be going back to normal. But I mean, that's kind of the entire world. Like, I am not a digital nomad. I've never been one of those people who builds my business while I'm on the road. Yes, I travel extensively, but that's usually for like conferences or meetings or things like that. But I'm, I am based here. My wife is here. My daughter's here. I even have my mother. I brought her with me. She helps take care of my daughter. I mean, so my life is in Panama. I learn Spanish. I mean, so in that regard, it hasn't really affected. From the other side, from the business side, I mean, business is booming. People are really freaked out about what's happening around the world, and they are coming to libertarian values all on their own. Like, government is pushing them really, really hard. So, I mean, my job is actually a lot easier. I just present the information. This is what we're doing. These are the options. This is the law. I mean, people are lining up to get second passports, to get real estate overseas, second residencies, offshore bank accounts, offshore companies, all of these types of things. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah. And even, I mean, even outside of, you know, you mentioned going to a cheaper state. I mean, there's like a mass exodus from California right now, oh, big time in New York and Illinois, you know, all the, the heavy, heavy regulated states with high taxes, uh, people are just leaving in droves and, and obviously they're coming to cheaper states. And, and what you're arguing is, is why stop there? And I wanted to ask you, you said, you know, your wife is there, your daughter, uh, what's it like moving a family, uh, like that? I think a lot of people, um, I mean, even even me, as I sit here and think about it, like, OK, what if I moved, you know, my family to to Panama or or wherever I, I visited Peru a couple of years ago? And, Beautiful. you know, the most expensive part about Peru was the flights, <laughs> like mm-hmm. everything there. I mean, I stayed in a hostel that cost me, I think it was like fifteen dollars a night. Amazing. Um, yeah, it's unbelievable. And the, and the food was great and the people are amazing. And I actually um, helped start a company down there. Uh, originally, it's called uh, Kachi. Uh, so if you guys are looking to travel per, to Peru, I'll go ahead and shout those guys out. Go to kachilife.com. Uh, but uh, so I helped start that company. I'm no longer a part of that company, but uh, so we traveled down there and we, we were able to start a, 
an entire company inside of Peru doing travel inside of Peru for basically nothing. And the people there are like just ecstatic to have jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how do you, um, did you have to convince your family uh, that you wanted to do that? Or did you meet your, your wife while you were traveling? Like how, how does that work? Um, so, okay. Oh, yeah. Explain There's that. a couple of things in there that I can dig into. So my life is probably a little bit different than, I mean, someone living in North America listening to this. Like, so for example, I'm Canadian, Danish heritage. Uh, my wife is from mainland China. I met her on a flight to Germany. We got married in Africa. Um, and then my daughter was born in the UAE in Abu Dhabi. And now we live in Panama. So, I mean, for us, living an international lifestyle is already what we do. Like there wasn't a big, I, had, I didn't have to convince my wife or anything like that because I mean, that was our life, you know, while we were in Panama, or sorry, while we were in the UAE, things were great. And then we decided, okay, we didn't like what was happening there. We started looking around and we started basically shopping for a new place to live. So we started looking at Thailand and Malaysia and Argentina, and we looked at the visa and the cost of living and what we could get for our money for rent and, you know, all of these types of things. And we settled on Panama and I'm happy to to go into some of the reasons why I think Panama is a great option. But I mean, when you are open to those types of experiences, it just becomes like fun, you know, like this is an adventure. We don't think of it like, oh, it's work or it's difficult or we have to start all over. It's stressful. Like, I love this kind of stuff. Like, I'm super, super passionate about it. And I mean, my daughter's four years old. She's been to, I think, 11 or 12 countries. Um, We travel a lot as a family. Like I said earlier, I speak internationally. So often companies pay me to go overseas and speak. I mean, we're quite fortunate in that way. But for us, it's a fun experience. I, I guess that's what I'm trying to communicate. It's We enjoy this type of lifestyle. So I don't know if that kind of answers the question or not, like how, how families So it doesn't do really this. have to be convincing if everyone wants to do it and if everyone agrees right. that it's a, a good thing to do. And I mean, your mm-hmm. kid, you don't really have to convince your kids to do things because... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <your kids. laughs> but that's, you know, that's another interesting... If you don't mind, I mean, we don't have to talk about yours personally but it is interesting to think um kids that grow up moving from place to place do you think there's a value for a for a kid to be in the same place with the same friends for a while or is it is it um i i (laughs) (laughs) okay this is my perspective okay i and and we didn't get into it today but i mean um i mean i've been interviewed several hundred times so like, please, if you search my name online, I'm sure you guys will find and you can hear about my my experience with public education in Canada and how horrible that was. But basically, in a, in a nutshell, I dropped out. of I stopped going to school when I was 12 years old and I dropped out at 15 and I started traveling internationally just after that. And there is no way that I would ever have my child go to any type of public school system. So. I mean, in the homeschooling realm, there's three big thoughts. So there's homeschooling basically where you're doing a curriculum, you're following some type of curriculum, but you're doing it at the house. And then there's unschooling where you're not following any curriculum. And then we follow something called world schooling. And people have their own little quirks about it. But I mean, it's basically educating your child while you're on the road. And everything we do is interest-based learning. So 
for example, my wife spends a couple hours with my daughter. She teaches her some Mandarin. Everything else is kind of interest-based learning. Like we do languages, reading, writing, and spelling, and basic, basic arithmetic. Everything else is going to be what she wants. So right now she's really into dance. So say for an example, it's not happening right now, but for an example, she loves ballet. She thinks ballet is the greatest thing ever, and she wants to dance and dance and dance. She wants to take classes, and we get her the best tutors. Well, okay, who are the best ballet dancers in the world? Well, arguably it's Russia. So maybe we'll start thinking, okay, why don't we start to learn some about Russian history, Russian, Russian literature, when we're teaching her languages, Russian food. Why don't we plan a trip to Russia? Why don't we start doing a little bit about the language? Why don't we take her over there to do some classes in Russia with some of the best people who do ballet in the world? This is kind of our mindset for education, opposed to just, you know, here, my kid is your problem for the next seven hours, and I want to know if they are an A, B, C, or D student, like, and then just wash their hands of it. Like that for me is not like, that's not good. Like I, I really personally don't agree. That's with also that. like, instead of, Hey, why don't you remember these questions about Russia and take a test on it instead? Exactly. Uh, why don't Rope we uh, learn Russian and go to Russia? <laughs> yeah. You know? And like, let's learn about the food. And it's like, well, why did they have this form of government? Why do they eat this type of food? Oh, because it's cold there. Oh, because they had this. Oh, what were the, you know, learn about the history. How did it happen in the war? Like, I mean, there's like a million things. And I mean, if she gets bored of Russia, if she gets bored of ballet and she wants to do, I don't know, man, pick anything. Like she gets really into food and she wants to learn about Italy. Well, I don't, I don't see why we can't go spend six months in Italy. I'd like to learn Italian. I think that'd be really neat. Yeah. Um, that's, that's so, an amazing. That's an amazing perspective on, um, you know, opting out of the, the status quo, the traditional, well, you know, you know, I went to public school and you'll go to public school and, and yeah, trying, because I suffered for through it. Now you have to suffer through it. Right. It right. Make any sense. And instead, you know, you, you have this, um, you know, more so of a, an interesting critical thinking type of education where instead of a one size fits all, it's a, uh, how do you learn and how do you adapt and, and what are your, and what are you, because you're going to spend the time and, and actually do the work on things that you're actually interested in, mm-hmm. you know, like, I mean, half the time I slept through high school because I was so bored. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> and I was just lucky enough to make A's still. Yeah. Um, but but and for, for a lot of people, it's not like that. You know, they, they end up uh, failing or whatever. It doesn't mean they're failures in life, although a lot of people uh, pursue it that way. And then they have this crazy, uh, you know, trauma and other stuff they have to get through. They, they need all kinds of, um, you know, therapy and stuff because they failed high school and they think that they're a failure when, when in reality, maybe they just didn't learn that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's a really uh, interesting perspective and, and not only just having those thoughts, but actually living them out um, and living out those values. I think that's that's unbelievable. Now that I think about it, you might actually be the most libertarian person I've ever met so far. Right. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Well, I will take that. Yeah. Can I quote you on that? I so, love that. Yeah, there's a lot of people that go around, you know, we talk about it all day, but it's yeah. rare to meet an actual living, breathing uh, person who's living out the principles <laughs> that we're mm-hmm. talking about all the time. Um, yeah. Speaking well, of... I have my... I have my and I, I know you guys know him, Mark Claire, a very, very good friend of mine. I mean, when we started first doing work together, and I've been on his show several times, big shout out to Lions of Liberty. Those mm-hmm. guys are amazing. I mean, when I tried to describe what I do, I said, like, I'm the, or we are the, then what? So 
So it's like, okay, you agree that tax is theft and war is murder. Then what? Like, what do you do about it? What's what are the actual practical steps? So I'm a hardcore libertarian, but I mean, I don't run a libertarian. I have a libertarian podcast and a libertarian um website and blog and newsletter, but we don't talk about libertarianism. We talk about the actual strategies for doing these things to reduce our tax bill and live a more peaceful life. Folks, if you're interested in day trading, you know, Charlie and I, we get up every single day and we start taking trades in the market. I cannot tell you just how fun, how exciting it is to get up and go through the market and to, to look at what's going on, what the price action is, we have got a training course just for you. If you have never traded, don't even know a word yet when it comes to the stock market, you can, you can go to this course and start learning how to use a charting platform. You can start learning how to place trades, what the strategies we use every single day are. So that's mastermytrades.com or mastermystonks.com. And it's not even just a, a course, Nate. This is no. the academy. This is the Liberty Trading Academy where it is. it's really a community of people because as long as you sign up for the pre-market live, I mean, there we are constantly helping people. We do one-on-one. -on -one. You can ask questions. Uh, we love to have your questions and answer those. So this is an entire community. You're definitely getting your uh, you're getting the most for your money. We also trade live throughout the day. So as long as there are trades that we feel like taking then we'll keep the live stream going after the pre-market. We'll pick out what trades we like starting a half an hour before the market opens. We pick out what we like, what price points we like, what the profit targets are, what the stop losses are for those trades. And then we keep trading live as long as there are things that we like. And we, we try to exercise all the patience in the world. And sometimes you don't have to take a trade, you know, that's okay. It's okay to not take a trade some days, but you can go sign up for the live pre-market, the live trading option at mastermystonks.com. And oh, by the way, if you want 20% off for two months, you can use the promo code 20stonk. It's Charlie's birthday month and in honor of his 20th birthday, we are doing a 20, I don't know why it had to do with your birthday I get month. older I just, and then younger. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know what Charlie's age is. He still won't tell me. And uh, I know that he's, he's mid-40s, right? Mid-40s? Something like that? <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know what it is. So use the promo code 20STONK. You get 20% off for two months after you go to mastermystonks.com. Or mastermytrades. Either one. They both go to the same place. Some people, they don't know how to spell stonk. And obviously, I recommend, if you can't spell stonk, maybe this isn't for you, honestly. <laughs> it's, uh, you know... There are some people who this isn't going to work out for. Not Trading's not for everyone. It took me a while to convince Charlie that this was going to be his new obsession. Charlie, is this your new obsession? Yeah, I do obsess over it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just all the time, just sitting I'm around. looking at charts right now. Literally right now, <laughs> as we're doing the ad, you're watching charts. <laughs> Got six of them. Up. <laughs> just watching charts. So if you think this might be for you, then go to mastermystonks.com. Use the promo code 20stonk to get 20% off. Match my songs. Uh, is is doing this? Could it ever be considered or looked at as giving up on liberty in the country that that you're in? Like, say, I want liberty in America, and I'm not going to get it, so therefore I'm going to leave and go somewhere where there's liberty. And so, what I worry about is if I trace that down the line, and then okay, so you go to Abu Dhabi and they institute a VAT tax, and so I go somewhere else, and then Panama institutes a that tax and I go somewhere else 
And so what happens if all the way down the line you go to every country and they all become tyrannical and the whole time none of us were actually fighting for the principles and the values that whole time? I believe in personal responsibility. So my first responsibility is to myself, my wife, my daughter, my mother. Now, I believe I'm fighting the good fight. I am, I am helping people to legally reduce their tax bill. Every single dollar that I can starve the beast, I feel good about myself. And I know this sounds super cliche, but I swear to God, Nate, when I wake up in the morning, I literally jump out of bed. I'm so, so stoked to do this type of work. I look in the mirror. I'm very happy with what I see because I feel like I am living my belief pattern and I'm helping other people to do that. It's not my responsibility to take care of 360 million people. I go out there. I publish good content. I'm honest. I'm ethical. I care for my wife. I love my daughter. I mean, I'm doing the best I can. So- that's kind of my, my viewpoint. So every it. dollar that you spare a tyrannical government of can be looking at as saving lives, honestly. That's exactly uh, because exactly. The, the things that they use that money for, it's going to be war. Exactly. It's going to be uh, the destroying healthcare systems. It's going to be all exactly. kinds of things. And if you can, and then uh, you just, excuse me, I'm working this out in my, in my head as we go along <laughs> this. I told you before, this is something I hadn't really thought of before. And because and, if uh, you believe in yeah. liberty, if you believe that war is murder, then how can you ethically pay taxes? How can you contribute to that system? And okay, maybe before you didn't know that there are options out there, but I'm here telling, I'm telling you right now today, there are options for paying zero taxes where you can literally not contribute to the system anymore. And what you do instead is you help a local economy. I have an assistant here. I pay him double, double that anyone else would pay because I respect his work and the and I've created the marketplace. You know, I say, you know what? I'm fine with paying this. I want to see him do well. I want to see him taking care of his family. I mean, we're not going to other countries and exploiting people. No, we're driving the economy. We did the same thing with Kachi Life. So yeah. our guides and the, and the manager who manages Kachi Life down in Peru, uh, they actually make the top wages out of anyone, even the, the chess keys, the, the porters that help carry the, the gear and stuff like that. Um, and it's actually uh, helped explode that business. Um, um, but th- that, that's very interesting take because then you actually, you know, you're building uh, and, and setting the precedent for the market to say, okay, this is the, this is where the value is going. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I find that interesting. I, you know, um, Peter Schiff did a similar thing by moving to Puerto Rico, I think, which you can definitely avoid uh, federal taxes there, which is yeah, nice. They have the act 20 and act 22 where yeah. basically you can, and I, I won't go into detail about it, but basically you can reduce your taxes to about 4% based on the style of business. Puerto Rico is a good option. I think it's kind of a stepping stone for a lot of people. And we don't know how long those types of programs will be in place. Yeah. So I would just be kind of mindful about that. And if you do decide on Puerto Rico, uh, you've really got to work with a professional who specializes in Puerto Rico. You find a place that's too right. closely tied to the United States and they're going to come looking for your money eventually. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, so I know you're not, uh, you're, no, you're not a tax advisor. You're not offering any type of advice. You're not, um, you know, you're not a legal uh, a tax or you're not a CPA, anything like that. But what can you tell us um, and where can we go to find those resources um, that that you're speaking of? And if people are interested in this type of lifestyle, where 
where do they start in, uh, in getting the help they need to start to educate themselves and understand this? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, for resources, obviously, I'm going to plug my own stuff. We do a podcast called The Expat Money Show. If you go on Apple Podcasts or anything like that, you're going to find it. And then Escape Artist is the blog. You sign up for the newsletter. It's free. Um, we send out several times a week lots of good information. But what we do as a business is I work directly with the CPAs, directly with the tax accountants and lawyers who work in the offshore space. And you can basically think of offshore as any jurisdiction that has very low or zero taxes and coupled with very strong asset protection laws. So there's, depending on the, not severity, but on the, the level, I, may, I guess this may be a better word, you're going to find about 40, 50, possibly 60 different countries in the world who will kind of follow this type of thing. But what I can tell you about taxes, and, and I will speak directly to Americans, I mean, Americans are taxed on worldwide income. So they have a citizenship-based taxation, which is there's only two countries in the world. I don't know if you guys know this, but there's only two countries in the world that do a citizenship-based taxation. One is uh, Eritrea, which is known for blatant human rights violations. And the second is the United States. There's no other country in the world who has a tax system like this. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so you, you 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 picked up what I was throwing down. Yeah. That's good. So, but there are a couple of things in the IRS in in the tax code that will help you. And once again, this is not individual tax advice, but the things that you will want to look into is called the foreign earned income exclusion, and it will roughly get you to have about one hundred and eight thousand dollars of one hundred and eight thousand. Uh, dollars of deductions. So, I mean, it, uh, earned is the key word there. This is not like passive income. This is not dividends or interest or things like that. But if you do some type of work outside of the States, if you live outside of the States and have an online business or call, coaching and consulting or FBA or anything like that, that pays you a salary, you can get $108,000 of deductions. Now, if you are spending 108000 US dollars in Panama, Costa Rica, Belize, Peru, Argentina, Brazil, Thailand, Malaysia, Vietnam, anywhere in Eastern Europe, I mean, you are living an extremely good lifestyle. Like, I mean, you've, you're doing awesome. Like, <laughs> you're going to have, you're going to be hard pressed to spend that much money. Then if you have a spouse and they are also American, they can also have foreign earned income exclusion. So there can be, so that's basically a doubling effect. Then they have a housing credit. Then they have tax treaties. So if you have to pay tax in the country that you live in, it can actually be counted towards the tax that you would pay in the United States. So there's many different like tools in the toolbox for Americans to pay zero taxes. But you do have to live overseas. These types of things don't go into effect if you're like in Iowa or something. I mean, like <laughs> you, you can't you can't do this if you don't leave. And yeah. then there's some qualifiers, like how, they do the physical long? prison tense. How long do you have to live out of the year, out of the calendar year? That's to be the so the physical present test is usually the easiest one to do is 330 days in a foreign country. And in a foreign country is the key words in this sentence. So if you are on a cruise ship and you're in international waters, it doesn't count. If you are sailing around the world on a yacht, it does not work. If you are flying from here to Japan, 
that day does not count. It's 330 days in a foreign country. So you have to be really mindful because, I mean, this is a very black and white. If you spend 329 days in a foreign country and the remainder in the United States, you will be liable to pay all of your taxes. You'll pay on the entire amount. So, I mean, each year? we're talking, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, in a, it's in a 12-month period. Okay. But, I mean, that can be twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000, a mistake like that. So you always want to err on the side of caution. Don't book your flights exactly because if there's any type of a delay, they won't care. That's an expensive flight. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, Fly charter. Seriously, yeah. you're better. Your flight's canceled. Pay, pay the twenty grand. Jump on a car, charter flight and get out of there. You know, right. drive uh, down to Mexico or something. So I was just trying to think through um, if, uh, let's say, I wanted to work on making the U.S. into a place where expats would want to live <laughs> because because it was so amazing and so libertarian. One thing I was thinking about is this this willingness to move around. And when you think about things with the free market, a lot of the the dollars flowing freely and being free to move where they can go and be their most valuable, I think is mm-hmm. a really, really strong tool and a really strong form of persuasion even for for governments. One thing I was thinking was if everyone in the US were because I was still trying to solve this this question in my head, which was, is this giving up on liberty in in America? And I was thinking, well, if everyone were willing to do the expat lifestyle and the governments around the world all knew that and they knew that they had to compete for every single person that was in their country, then would they gravitate more towards things that that we need? And so that was one little free market thing I was thinking of in my head. And the other is um, people people have a hard time leaving their hometowns even, let alone <laughs> their home country. There's a lot of people that grow up somewhere and they they're... Their dream is to become, this is no knock on anyone because different things make everyone happy, obviously. But that disclaimer in there, their dream is to become a teacher at the school that they graduated from. And that's where they want to be. And they want to retire in the richest uh, block of the town that they grew up in. And mm-hmm. that's kind of their goal. What, what do you think everyone being willing to move for the most personal freedom and for their highest potential would do for uh, the world and liberty in general, like on a grand scale. Well, okay. If we look at history, we're already seeing a fracturing of the state. So basically every year we're getting more and more countries, more and more jurisdictions. We're getting free trade zones. We're getting special economic zones. We're getting special permissions to do things and concessions on, on areas. So, I mean, I believe that trend is going to continue. And I think that countries more and more will start competing for human capital and for resources and for 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 money i mean when people when countries open up their nationality their citizenship by investment which is a really cool topic that i'd love to get into i mean there are some big barriers to entry there so you know they might want you to open a company and employ 10 people or you might have to have a net worth of or a million dollars or something like that. So often the people that they're trying to bring in are the people that they know are going to drive the economy. And they often have caps on how many of these programs they can do every year. And in a lot of the countries, they sell out. And the best countries get the most amount of people and they get the best people. So we're already seeing countries and communities 
uh, compete for talent. And I think that will continue. We're going to see this more and more and more. And it's something that I fully support. I think that we are closer to getting a libertarian country than we ever have before. That's that's interesting. Is that something that we do already? You were saying you could speak more on that, but competing and trying to get uh, people with the right human capital. Are there incentives in place already for for people like that? Okay, let's take uh, let's take three programs. Let's let's just make this up, okay? So we'll take three programs as an example. I'll tell you about uh, Panama, Portugal, and Cyprus. All right, three. These are three real programs. I'm not making up the programs. I'm, I'm just choosing three randomly. Okay, so on the low end, you have Panama. Panama is a territorial tax system, meaning that if you earn your income outside of Panama, you have an online business, you're a coach or a consultant, you work for a company in the States and they pay you a salary, it is a tax-free country. There's zero income tax here. It is an economic visa. So you come in and you have to start a company. You don't have to do anything with the company, but you need to start a company and you need to hold funds in a bank account. For the entire legal work and and my company and the people I work with, we actually do this visa, is $5,000. $5,000 is so incredibly cheap. I, I can't stress this enough. 5K, you get a permanent residency here. To keep the residency active, you need to visit the country one day every two years. So for anybody out there who is looking for a plan B, a contingency plan, a backup plan, Panama like ticks all of the boxes one day every two years. After five years, you can apply for citizenship. This is naturalization. So you become a citizen of Panama. Now, you do need to show more than the one day every two years. For example, I live here full time. So if I'd ever decided that I wanted to become a Panamanian, I could go ahead and do that because I'm going to show stronger ties. But Panama Passport will get you visa-free travel to uh, 141 countries, if my memory serves me correctly. So that's about very top of the B pile or very bottom of the A pile of citizenship by investments. And we usually go by 193 countries, sovereign states uh, in the world recognized by the UN. So that's kind of a low-end program, but really, really excellent. Then mid-range, you have Portugal. Portugal is an extremely free country. They do a non-DOM tax system. So, I mean, there are good ways to pay very little tax. They have what's called the golden visa, which will be a investment in real estate that starts at 500,000 euros, but you can knock 20% off if the home is done in a heritage area or if the house is more than 30 years old and you're doing some type of restoration on it. And I think that you can do another 20%. Don't quote me on the exact numbers. I mean, email me and I'll get you the, I'll go into my books and find the exact numbers, but another 20% off if it's outside of Lisbon or Porto or one of the other big cities. So if you want to, you know, get a couple of acres in the countryside and have grapes and live a nice peaceful lifestyle, you can knock 20% off. So that is an investment in real estate. And with that real estate, you get a residency permit, which allows you to live there full-time, work there, yada, yada, yada. After five years, 
you can apply for citizenship. There is a, a, a language test, which I've heard is very, very simple, and a couple of other cultural things that you need to do. Now, Portugal is, I want to say, sixth most po- powerful passport in the world. It's probably around 185, 186 countries visa-free travel. That is tier A. No questions asked. Um, that is a very, very good option. And then to kind of round things out, we can look at the high end, which would be Cyprus, which is a straight citizenship by investment. I mean, it is a $2 million investment, actually 2 million euro investment in real estate, but you will have a passport in hand in 90 days. You will now be a citizen of that country, which allows you to vote in government. You can live there. You can work there. You can use the healthcare. You can send your kids to school, everything. And they also have a tier A passport at that around 180, 185 countries, something like that. There's also ways that you can pay zero taxes in Cyprus. They have, if you look quickly at their taxes, it doesn't look that good, but there's a whole bunch of uh, things written into the tax code to take it from like 30% down to 5% and even ways to take it down to 0%. So that's kind of three different levels of programs, three different time periods, and different results at the end. Hmm. I know that's a lot, and I probably wow. just like dumped like fire hose like wow. stuff on you. But no, I was writing um, it all down, so I think uh, I, I, I think I picked up some of that. But I know I can go to uh, I know I can get on your website and find a lot of that information anyway. <laughs> but um, when, trying to figure out how to convince all my family to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I knew Charlie well. Charlie's going to be looking up citizenship in other countries or or ways to expatriate here uh, later today. For exactly. sure. I wanted to circle back to what Nate was talking about earlier, which is, um, you know, uh, it, you know, is this libertarian? And I wanted to, I guess, get your thoughts on two things. What, here's what I'm thinking is, well, one, you know, on this show, we talk a lot about personal responsibility and, mm-hmm. and regardless of what the government does, regardless of anything that, that happens, like you can still win and you should take the personal responsibility to take care of yourself and your family. Um, and, and so I would say, I guess in a, in a Liberty personal responsibility way uh, that this type of lifestyle is, is living that out. And, and so I would say two things about that, which is one, you know, libertarians like to talk about theory. Um, And so a lot of people was like, Oh, well, if we did this, that sounds good. And if we did this, this would be good or whatever. And then you're actually living it out. So you're setting the example for other libertarians uh, or for people in general, that these ideas can work, um, number one. And number two, I would say, um, you only have one life to live, right? And we yeah, know man. that change doesn't happen overnight. Uh, and so uh, isn't it better to live the life you want to live and setting the example? Doesn't that do more for the movement uh, than trying to stay in the country? I, I'm pushing back on Nate here. Than staying in your I own. I was country. just asking the question. Like I wasn't liberty. saying it was wrong or anything. I'm just, <laughs> no, I'm just, saying think, I'm just thinking I'm, out loud here. Those some good thoughts. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, okay, let we let's let's use another example. So one of the reasons that I left the Middle East was I thought or I felt like um, U.S. is going to invade Iran. At the time, that looked like it was. It was full steam ahead. They're gearing up. I mean, I've been to Iran. It is a beautiful country with some amazing people. Is the government messed up? Absolutely. Should you drop bombs on the population? No. Full stop. I was very concerned about being 
connected to anything like that. The UAE has a military base there that they would use as a staging ground for an invasion of Iran. I didn't like that. So when I started looking at countries overseas, I chose Panama. Panama has no standing army. It has no standing army here. Costa Rica has no standing army here. For me, that makes me feel good. Like I, I believe in like defending myself absolutely fully. I like the way that, say, Switzerland does it, where they have basically a national guard. They've been peaceful. They've been a neutral country. Get this. For over 500 years. 500 hmm. years. Like, for me, that's amazing. Like, I think that's like something that we should aspire to. Which completely destroys the narrative of, well, if we don't fight them over there, they're, you know, we have to fight them over here. Exactly. Yeah. And Switzerland is one of the richest countries in the world. The Swiss franc right. is like the benchmark at all other currencies. It's fiat, but if we're going to continue with fiat, the Swiss franc is what we should be looking towards. That, uh, that base in the UAE, that's where I was in Abu Dhabi, by the way. That's uh, That was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it was, and uh, actually, it was very eye-opening to see just how busy they were flying in and out of that place all the time. Um, exactly. it was, it was very, very eye opening. I was there at a time where no one was talking about how we were, we weren't even openly involved, say in Syria at that time, but mm -hmm. I was hanging out with people who had just got done dropping bombs all over the place every single night. And yeah. I was like, wait, where, where were you flying sorties? Like, what, what are you, what, what are you guys doing out there? And he's like, we've been flying, we've been flying out there and, and dropping stuff for a while. I'm like, what are you talking about, man? Like no one's, no one's even talking about that on the news or anything. Exactly. Right now. It's, yeah. it, it's insane that, so uh, along those lines, has everyone been very welcoming of say you being a, a, a Westerner like the, I know oh, when, yeah, I, man. when I went over there and I was traveling, I was in Saudi Arabia at an airport and I felt like I knew what it was like to see someone looking at me that wanted to, that wanted me gone, wanted me wiped out. At that time, wow. I feel like I've never felt that before. But at the same time, I understand it. So, yeah. Sometimes, I mean, it, I'm not trying to be a blame America first or anything like that. But you did you get that sentiment over there that that maybe the U.S. is a, is a bad invading force on all the places that you have been, or how, how was well, that? So. Okay, first of all, I've traveled to more than 100 countries. Yeah. I've been at this for a very, very long time. Second of all, I am not American. Mm. Um, I, I was born and raised in Canada. Do I, am I nationalistic towards Canada? Certainly not. I'm, I am the least Canadian Canadian you will ever meet <laughs> in your entire life. And I think that the, the phrase, you know, citizens of the world is like really goofy and kind of cliche. So I never brand myself as that. I just think of myself as an expat. But I'll tell you, at traveling to like 104, 105 countries or whatever, I mean, I've never really felt racism or felt discriminated against or felt, you know, people were after me because of what country I lived in. I've had really peaceful experiences all over the world. I mean, and like I said, I've been to Iran. I've been to North Korea. I've been to Zimbabwe. I went to El Salvador 20 years ago when there were still tons of problems. I was in Colombia 20 years ago when there were still tons of problems. Um, you know, I've dr drove around Uganda and Botswana. I've been to Nigeria multiple times. I mean, I, I've never really had 
any trouble with these types of things. I, I keep my head about me. I, you know, I like to drink. I, I like to have a, a glass of whiskey or a cab salve or something. But do I go out and get absolutely blottered and then stumble home and pick fights in a foreign <laughs> country at three o'clock in the morning? No, I don't. Like I, I try to be a little bit smart about these so types of things. He won't be like Charlie. See, he go out and drink <laughs> and then he'd be going down the street with a shirt off going, America, like yeah. whipping it around like this. So that's maybe a way to look into getting into a fight yeah. somewhere. But that could honestly exactly. happen downtown here in Nashville sometimes. So I am six, seven, though. That could so. be anywhere. You, Are you really? He's hard Jesus. to miss. A couple guys to come after me. <laughs> 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 uh, so all those places what, to, oh sorry go ahead charlie well i wanted to ask you a, 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 this should be a quick question but this is kind of a uh, in line with something we got from the live group here did you ever consider um moving to Chaz or chop <laughs> in seattle was that country, was that country <laughs> well, he might not even know what Chaz is we're gonna have to fill him in on this <laughs> you might have to <laughs> i think so, i think i need to we I had a, no longer a country anymore but we had a new country inside the united states for a couple of weeks yeah, oh, wow. we had a new place that you could have uh, lived as an expat for a little bit in Seattle <laughs> when they carved out their own little six-block radius for for uh, Antifa there for a little while. It was oh, called, wow, it was yeah. Chaz. I'm, I'm going to rush yeah. out to I didn't, uh, I didn't know if your visa extended to Chaz or not, or if <laughs> it maybe the, didn't stay around long enough to get the paperwork I still don't through. understand how those people can call themselves anarchists, because I'm like... I've done a lot of reading. I've been to anarchist conference. They don't look anything like those people. They don't believe in any of the same things. I mean, it's very, very bizarre. I'm still trying to figure that stuff out. They call themselves uh, anti-fascist, but they use fascist tactics to (laughs) get their point across. It's like, what? It's It's very bizarre. You know, you are someone who I would think would actually be closer to being an anarchist. I think there's kind of multiple definitions. Some people think anarchist means I'm going to go out and spray paint everything and set it on fire and destroy everything. And certainly then, I don't believe that. And then yeah. I'm going to become the ruler and I'm going to tell everyone what to do. And that's yeah, not no. really anarchy. But to me, your form of anarchy where, uh, you know, I'm just going to go and live my life. And if I don't like the ruler, I'm going to go somewhere else and I'm going to stay there. And if they yeah, do something, I don't Peacefully like, remove myself from the situation. Yeah. Peacefully. And I swear to God, that's what I did at 12 years old when I dropped out of school. It was a harsh, violent environment i didn't like it i left and i just kind of continued that and i mean i love my life i love i love traveling i think all of this is so super cool i like geeking out on all of these passports which you can probably tell by my my jumping into it i mean i love this type of lifestyle um yeah, man. I don't know. Is uh, What's the best place you've uh, lived or traveled to and who has the Ooh. best food? That's the most important question. Okay. So that is, there is no best, you know, like, and even <laughs> like favorite, favorite is a difficult yeah. one. Yeah. No, like, like I had a really fantastic experience when I was in Colombia. I was in Colombia in probably like 2002, 2003. And I spent two months there and it's this stunning, beautiful country. They have the Pacific and the Atlantic, like the Caribbean. They have the Andes. They've got the Amazon. They've got pre-Columbus ruins. The language is amazing. Like I speak Spanish and the Spanish in Colombia is really, really beautiful. Um, the food is like really nice and fresh and they have all these fruits that you've never even heard of in your life. I don't think that Colombia and my Colombian friends don't, don't kill me when I say this, they don't have like the most incredible cuisine, but the local ingredients are unbelievable. And the people in Colombia 
are the sweetest, nicest, most hospitable human beings you will ever meet in your life. They're unbelievable. Just like so many places in Latin America, they're really family orientated. They love to go out, play music and have a barbecue and have a party. You can, they, it's like they've got their value system like properly aligned. I, I, I just, I'm really digging living in Latin America right now. I really love it. Where else was cool? Um, I spent two months in Morocco when I was like 18 or 19 years old. And that was a cool experience. I had never been to, once again, quote unquote, a developing country before. And I took a ferry over from Spain to Morocco. And I visited like 20, 21, 22 different towns and cities. I even took a camel from Morocco to Algeria across the Sahara Desert and back. Wow. It took like three, four days. Wow. And we slept under the stars and we're like Bedouins for a couple of days. We had guides with us. It was so cool. Um, and Morocco does have unbelievable cuisine. I mean, like out of this world food there. Uh, so that was cool experience. Um, where else? I mean, I love China. I've, I don't like the government there, but I do like the country. I like the history of the country. My wife is from mainland China. We own real estate there. I've been maybe 30 times. I speak a decent amount of the language. Um, my family is, my wife's family is there. I think that's a really cool, interesting place. I mean, we'll never live there as long as there's sanctions, like especially on the internet and things like that. But I like to go there and, and learn about the history and the monuments. Um, I've been to Germany and Switzerland probably two, three dozen times each. Also, great food, amazing people. There's just so many cool places. Yeah, I mean, this is so uh, many cool places. Have you now, do you already have a travel blog going or is that like stage two after this? Or is this just like travel blog times a million that you're doing right now? Yeah, my travel blog (laughs) talks about residency, citizenship, taxes, lifestyle but it's not like hey go to this restaurant or check out this city you know so i talk a lot of lifestyle things i mean that's kind of where i live because i have so much experience and i mean when i say i've been traveling for 20 years i mean traveling for 20 years i've circumnavigated the planet more than 400 times like i didn't go on a two-week vacation then go back to canada and then a year later do another two-week vacation no it's like three years living in Australia, a year in New Zealand, a year in Singapore. I lived in the Arctic for 366 days. I lived in Guatemala. I lived in like just a ton of different places. Well, I know we're kind of out of time here. I think the last thing I was going to ask if you, if you do have a second is to uh, just talk me, talk me into doing this. Talk, right. Tell me why I should do this. All right. Let, let's put it in general terms. I believe, I believe that Most everybody on planet Earth has a dream of traveling or living overseas. Now, whether you have told anybody this dream, whether you have shared it with your spouse or your brother or sister or your mother or father or with your kids, I don't know. But I'm guessing that you have this dream of traveling and living overseas. My invitation to you is to try it. Just try it. Get an Airbnb for like, a month in some in this country, you know, tell your boss you're just taking an extended vacation. You don't have to sell everything. You don't need to go down to one bag. I mean, small steps, but just go over and see what life is like in an, in another country. 
Because I'll tell you, one of my favorite things to do in the whole wide world is to you know, sit at a cafe or a park bench and watch ordinary people do ordinary things completely different than I would ever do them back home. I think that is super, super cool. And when you do things like this, you are now putting yourself in situations that you wouldn't normally be in, situations that are, might be challenging. But this is what helps you grow as a human being. If you always stay in your little bubble, it's going to be really hard to grow. I am a strong, confident person because I've put myself in a lot of messed up situations and in a lot of difficult places in different languages. But that built character. And I think character is an important thing for everybody to have. I'm, and speaking like of that, it. one last question. How many languages do you speak? I speak two languages and I'm learning Chinese still. I, I speak English and Spanish and um, I can understand a good amount of Chinese. Chinese is a challenging language. You can probably learn four or five other romance languages, like European languages, in the same amount of time that it would take you to learn Chinese. It just doesn't share wow. anything in common with what, yeah. you, with what you know. Yeah. It's, oh, man. Well, they say a European language like, say, Portuguese, Spanish, Italian should take about 600 hours of, of active study. Chinese is like 2,500. Oh. So, wow. yeah, coming from a native English speaker. So if you think about it, like you could, and when you go on to learn the third language, like say, I learn English. I'm native English speaker. I learn Spanish. When if I go on to learn Portuguese, I wouldn't even have to spend that 600 hours. There'll be a multiplier effect in there. Mm-hmm. Right. But if you go to Mandarin, well, no, Mandarin is you're starting from square one. <laughs> what about French? <laughs> French is also a uh, a romance language. It's all based off of Latin. I mean, they have a slightly different um, system. And I think you'll find that more difficult coming from Spanish to French than say Spanish to Italian or Spanish to Portuguese, mm-hmm. which are like notoriously close. Nice. Oh, we're going to have to expand, Charlie. We got to expand uh, our horizons a little yeah. bit. You, so, good morning, I, Liberty. I never Francesse. felt more like I was in a bubble till now. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a big deal moving from Illinois to Nashville to pursue our, our music careers, you know, and now I'm, I'm like, geez, I'm one of these the rabbit hole man it's all about we, sending and, people down the rabbit hole I mean, i traveled the world you know fortunately playing music but i mean That's nothing awesome. compared and i you know i just never felt more like in a bubble till now and now it needs to pop what a loser <laughs> oh. <laughs> what a loser this guy is all like, right what man. Have I done with my life i haven't done anything <laughs> uh tell us again real quick uh where everyone can find all your stuff if they are interested yeah, if you go on Amazon, you'll find my book. It's a, it was is a number one bestseller. It's called Expat Secrets: How to Pay Zero Taxes, Live Overseas, and Make Giant Piles of Money. Super <laughs> humble title. I know I'm a really <laughs> humble guy. That's how I roll. Um, yeah, you'll find that on Amazon. It's a good primer for a lot of the things that we've been discussing. If you want to go into more advanced stuff, obviously subscribe to the podcast. We are celebrating episode 100 this week, which I'm super excited about. We've been doing for over three years um we also have a magazine it's called escape artist insiders it's 100 bucks a year it's 12 issues it is my insider group of lawyers accountants service providers real estate developers gold and silver bitcoin anything from the libertarian space that makes sense and the international space that's this magazine you're not going to find this information like anywhere else uh fully digital magazine and i'm super super proud of it like 
that's where I put a lot of my energy these days. And if you go to escape artist, escape artist.store, you'll find it on there or type in escape artist insiders on Google and you'll be able to pick that up. And then the podcast that you said is the, uh, the expat money show, right? Correct. Expatmoneyshow.com or go to Stitcher Radio, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, anywhere popular podcasts are found. Type in Expat Money Show or even my name, Mikkel Thorup, M-I-K-K-E-L-T-H-O-R-U-P, should uh, lead you in the right direction. All right, well, Mikkel. Mikkel it, was definitely, uh, it was awesome having you on and appreciate the conversation. My pleasure. I love what you guys are doing here. So any way I can help, I'm here. All right. All right, man. We will put links to everything in the show notes today. Thank you very much for your time, and we'll uh, we'll let you get on with it. But you have a good rest of your day. Next week, we'll see. We'll see. What's up? I'm just gonna book a flight. Oh yeah, Yeah, man. Come on down to Panama. I got lots of room here. You come uh, (laughs) come hang out for a couple weeks. Uh, You be careful making that promise to Charlie. He's gonna show up. (laughs) He'll be there. I don't know if you know anything about Enneagram, but I'm a seven, so I'm just like be right out there. Yeah. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. I'll talk to you Later, soon. Take care. All right.